Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. It's great to be with you. Hey, uh, we are in week number two of our, our sermon series, Parenting Parents. If you're not a parent, don't, don't check out, right? You're going to be a parent probably at some point in your life, or you're going to have the opportunity to influence kids in your life at some point, whether you're a teacher, a coach, something like that. Uh, or if you're none of those things, you're like, I'm never having kids, I'm never getting married, I'm just going to stay single the rest of my life, be miserable, all that stuff, or whatever, happy. Whatever that is, uh, whatever your, 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 your landing is there, this sermon series will still bring ap- application and practicality to you because all we're doing is we're following along in the life of Christ and watching how his heavenly father fathered him. And then we're going to apply it to our own life. And so even if you're not a parent, this will relate to you and, and God. Like you'll begin to understand how God parents us as, as our heavenly father through this, this sermon series. Next week, we're going to take a look at when God allowed Jesus to go into the wilderness and uh, be tempted and go through trial for 40 days and 40 nights. I want to talk to you about why good parents allow their kids to face suffering and trials. Like good parents allow their kids to go through hardship in their life. Why, why does God allow, because it, here's the thing about it. If you don't get that as a parent, you only keep your kids safe. You never allow them to suffer, struggle. You take them from every difficulty. Then when they get older and God allows them to go through something like that, they're going to assume God's not a good parent because good parents always keep us safe and secure. Are you, are you tracking with me? So if you, if you don't, you'll, you'll, you'll be confused. And so I want to talk to you about that uh, next week. Today, I want to go back to where we started last week. And so I had planned to move forward to, to, to the trials and the tempting and the sufferings, but I got stuck on Luke chapter 2, which is where we were at last week. You remember last week we talked about Jesus getting lost. I told you, listen, whether you're a great parent or a failure of a parent, this is going to encourage you, uh, especially if you're a failure, because Jesus' parents lost him in the house of God, but Jesus still turned out all right. What's the goal of a parent? Get your kids to God's house. Get, get your kids to God. Get, get them into the presence of God, right? That's what they need. They don't need perfect parents. All of us can take a deep breath, go, good, because I'm not, right? And anybody who says they are, you're a liar. We have a message for you. Revelation 21.8 says, 21.8 says, liars go to hell. And so you don't, <laughs> you don't want that. I use that on my kids all the time, by the way. And so it's not working. And so maybe I need a piano when I say it. And so, uh, but, and so we are, we, we, we're, we're going to go back to Luke chapter two. Now I'm a, I'm a Bible guy. That's what I teach for a living. So some of you hear things. Sometimes people think that's really good. What you said so profound. And I say, that's great. I'm, I, I stole it. And sometimes people get mad at what I say and I go, tough luck, take it up with Jesus. Right? Like, and so whatever it is, I teach the Bible. I try to stick to, to God's word. Uh, the translation that I use is the NIV, the NIV, but the Bible has all different translations. So the NIV stands for the new international version. Why do I use it? I use it because that's the one that I grew up reading. And so it helps me when I'm studying to remember where Bible verses are at and, you know, stuff like that. My wife likes the New Living Translation. Anybody NLT people in here, which is more modern and, you know, easier to read, she says, and easier to understand. There's another translation called the Message Translation where they use words like bruh in it, right? Like, 
It'll be like, and Jesus said to Peter, bruh, right? Stop being, and like, and so the Message Bible, which I, I, I love the Message Bible. Like, it helps me it, when I'm reading. It's, it, it's, it's profound a lot of times. I like it. It helps me to understand stuff. We got any, anybody old school in this place likes the New King James or the King James Version? King James Version? Any King James Version? So first service, I had some people, okay, woo, right? They also love outhouses and horseback riding. And so, right? <laughs> And so, but some people grew up, that's what you grew up, listen, like some people are adamant, New King, you know, the King James Version, and this and that, and I'm not adamant like that, I'll just tell you where the King James Version came from, and so in 1500, 1400, all these old, you know, hundreds of years ago, they didn't have the Bible in the common everyday language, so what happened is, you would come to church, a priest would open up a Bible, read it in Latin, he, nobody else understood what he was saying, he would tell you what to do, you would listen, you would go do it, because you didn't understand it. It didn't work, they made up a bunch of things, and so many people sacrificed their life to get the Bible back into the hands of everyday men. In 1600, the King of England, uh, King James, he began to put the Bible into old, old English and get it into the common hands of everyday men. And so when you read it, sometimes it's hard to understand because we're not English, we're American, right? And so, and, and we don't talk like that anymore. But there's times I read the King James Version, I'm like, what it said there is very good. And what happened is, I read last week in the NIV, Luke chapter 2, I read you the story of Jesus getting lost in the temple. I went back and read the King James Version, and it's saying the same thing, but it uses a different word, and God spoke to me, and he said, there's something there that I want you to talk about that I never saw before. So I want to to read to you back to King James, uh, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And I want to read you something, and here's what's interesting. We're going to read something, uh, and when you read this, oftentimes it feels outdated, and this thing I'm going to talk to you today, if we're honest, parental-wise, feels really outdated. It feels like something that old school people do, right? You ever meet old school people, right? We didn't wear biker helmets, we were on the back of cars, we drank water out of the hose, right? Like old school parents, right? We, 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 we kept score, we didn't give participation trophies, right? And we walked 16 miles in the snow, like all those types of parents, you know what I'm saying? Like old school parents, right? And so like this feels outdated. And when I read it, it, it sounds outdated. Watch what the Bible says in Luke chapter two, KJV, right? When they saw him, they were amazed. So they're coming back to find Jesus. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast that thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, if you understand this, you're smarter than me. He said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my, and here's the word, here's the word, father's business. I want you to, I I got stuck there. Didn't you know, not only I got to be in my father's house, but didn't you know that I have to be about my father's business? Jesus already from the age, remember how old he was last week? How old was he? 12. Here's what's interesting. In the Jewish culture, when you turn 12, some people say it's 13 years old. That is your ascent for males into Jewish manhood. They call it the bar mitzvah. It actually means son of the law. 
son of the law. It's when you have the expectation transferred on you from your parents to you that you are now capable of following God's law, of fasting, of making sacrifice, of going to the temple, of beginning to pursue the person you're going to marry at 12, 13 years old, figuring out how you're going to pay for that, 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 that wedding and that, and, and that marriage, how you're going to take care of kids someday. Like you are ascending into responsibility and expectation, which is so interesting because Jesus says at 12, I got to be about my father's business. And so I, I read it. And I was like, man, what, what he's actually saying is from a very young age, there's this divine expectation of responsibility being carried around in the life of Jesus. And I started thinking about that. If there's one thing that I think has become outdated, it's parents having expectations and giving responsibility to their kids from a very young age. It's outdated. In fact, uh, one person asked the question, uh, I read this article, I, don't even, I never heard of the guy, I don't, I'm sure he's smarter than me, his name's John Roseman, they said, uh, the, the, the article was, today's parents, it was entitled, are afraid to upset their kids. Today's parents are afraid to upset their kids. He talked about this phenomenon, up to the 60s and 70s in America, parenting in, in the world, right, it, since the beginning of time, has been pretty consistent. The goals have been pretty similar. You ready for the goals? Here, here's the, here was the goals of parenting since the beginning of time. You ready? Ready for them? To be responsible? That's a good one. You're going to have to work with me, right? Eight o'clock was already better than you guys. It's not okay. You had an extra hour and a half of sleep, right? Responsible, mannerly. I want to raise kids that are, have some manners, right? I, I want to raise kids that are respectful of, of adults, of those that are older, hardworking, and here's the big one, trustworthy. For generation upon generations, here's what we want. We're going to have kids. We're going to raise them to be responsible. We're going to raise them to be manly, respectful adults, hardworking, trustworthy. That's our goal. 60s and 70s came, and psychiatrists got involved, and scientists got involved, and they started talking about how kids need to be kids, and all these different upbringings. You can't have too high of expectations of kids, and they didn't have long enough to study, but they since have found out that parents who have no expectations for kids get that, right? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you expect little from a kid, you get very little in return. What do you get? You get frustration when you get older. Why aren't they responsible? Why don't they pay bills? Why don't they get out of my basement? They're 37 years old. Why won't they go get married? Why won't they pursue this? Well, for years, we wanted, where we go? Responsible, hardworking, trustworthy, respectful of people. Here's our goal, but everything changed. In fact, if, you were, if you're older, you'll remember 1950s, even, it's not that long ago, 80 years ago, uh, 70, 80 years ago, uh, in the 1950s, in a classroom in America, you would have close to 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 kids in a classroom. Very, very little behavioral issues. Very, very, very little outbursts. They, would, they were taught. They love school. It's exciting. Like, we're here. Somebody's teaching us, right? Even in Africa right now, right now, it is very common. They have no resources. They got no playgrounds, right, in a lot of spaces. They don't even have buildings. But a teacher, one teacher can teach 100 African children of all different ages in a setting where she has very little resource, and they need very little disciplinary action because these kids have been raised different. They've been raised to be responsible and respectful and, and, and honoring of, of elders. What do we do in America? We, we, we can't even have 13 kids in a class. And we, and we take them out. It, 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 I love this. It ain't the teacher, right? It's not my kid. It has to be the 
the teacher. Because if it's the kid, that means it might be me, and it can't be me. It has to be you. What have we done? We've lowered, I'm going to say this as kindly as I can, because I know this is the service with lots of kids. First service, all the old people, they were like, amen, tell them, pastor, get them. <laughs> but what if, what if the expectations you set determine the reality that you get? What if the expectations that you, you see it, early, early age, he's 12 years old, he has a divine expectation of what he's on this earth to do. I've come to this earth. He even tells you, if you go to Matthew chapter 5, he tells you why. Do you think I came to abolish the law or the prophets? I did not come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. From a young age, he's carrying that. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I've come here with the heavenly responsibility, a divine expectation in my life. And let me just, let me just argue, your kids need that. Your kids need, we're trying to instill that in them and journey kids. That's why we say it's not babysitting. We don't want to babysit your kids. Trust us. You know what's interesting? Let me just side note it. We're starting home groups. Let me just be, can I be really honest with my church for a second? We're starting home groups. We have 35, 36, 37 home groups that are starting. We have two groups right now, maybe three, that are willing to have childcare in their group because they don't want your kids in their house. It used to be common. We have childcare, everybody's fine. You know why they don't want it? Because it's crazy. Because it's, and you're like, that's rude. You don't understand kids. I do. I have three of them. They are crazy. I understand how much work it is. I understand they don't always want expectations. I understand that sometimes they're going to be mad at you. I understand you're going to hear huffs and puffs. I understand even that you're going to hear the word, the phrase, I hate you from sometimes. Sometimes the guy who wrote this article, he said, I never even thought about saying that to my parents. And it wasn't because I didn't think it. I knew they wouldn't care if I said it. Too many parents are so worried. My kid's not going to like me. My parents are not going to do You're not called to be liked by your kids. You're called to love them. The expectations you set, what if they determine the reality? What if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in their life? In fact, I love what it says in, in, in Ephesians. It's probably one of my favorite verses. It's one of those prayer, prayer verses. You know what I'm talking about? You pray this over your kids. You pray this over yourself. And watch how it starts. It starts where we started last week, Ephesians 3. May you have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep that the love of God is. That's where we start. You want, you want your kids to get that. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. When, when, what happens? You're filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. What's the process? They understand the extent of God's love. They meet him. They experience him. And then they live in the power of God where he's able to do immeasurably more through their life than you could ever think or imagine. See, I would argue expectations are not about putting pressure on your kids. I know some of you, I just want them to be kids. I just want them to be kids. I just want them to be kids. I just want them to be kids, right? But they're going to grow up and they're not going to be kids anymore. And so the expectations that you're placing on them are not really putting pressure on them. They are, all, they are actually helping them to reach their full God-given potential. When you put little expectations on, on a kid, here's what you're telling them. You're a little person created to accomplish unimportant things. You're a little person. Some of you struggle with that right now. 
Nobody's ever expected anything of you. You just get up and you kind of live your life and you actually believe I'm, I'm a little person who's been sent to this earth to accomplish insignificant, unimportant things. And that's just not true of scripture. I don't have, listen, I'm not a blow a smoke up. You're, you know, you know, parents do that a lot. They're like, blow smoke, you're the best, right? You're not the best. You're not even the best in this room right now. I'm better than you, right? We lie to our kids all the time, right? We do the American Idol thing, right? If you believe it, you can achieve it. No, Simon Cowell has become a billionaire off parents lying to their kids. Right? Like, you, you don't have American Idol if you don't get the kids that can't sing there. They're crying. Nobody's watching that. So what am I telling you? I'm not telling you what I believe about you. I'm telling you what Scripture teaches. That you've been sent to this earth for a reason. That God has a, 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 a purpose for your life. That there's potential inside of you. And what if the expectations you're setting are actually in an attempt to get your kids to realize their potential? So let me just give you a few what I will call divine expectations you should have for your kids. Some, divine, some of you, this is some, some divine expectations that God has for you. Some divine expectations that you should, if you want to raise your kids to the fullness of God, you want to see the immeasurable work of God in your life, that you should. And some of you, you're, you're much smarter than me. You have, you have 10, 11, 12. I only have 30 minutes. So I have five that I'm going to give to you. Ready? Number one is this. You should, in, in divine expectations, it's right to expect your kid to give constantly their best effort. It is right to expect your kids to get, no, so here, here, here's the balance in parenting. You have what I call too high expectations for parents, too low expectations for parents, and just right. It's the Goldilocks thing. You know what I'm talking about? Too hot, too cold, just right. And so they're too high, too low, too, just right. Let me, let me sports, any, any athlete, athletic families here? Any, come on, put your hand up, athletic, athlete, come on, raise your hands. Some of you skipped church last week for sports. And so let's be honest, right? And so athletes, let me give you, let me give you too high, too low, just right, right? Too high. I expect my kid to be the best on every team they play on and score this many goals. That's too high. Right? You're, you're not, you've not been the best on any team you ever played on. I know you say you tell them in your, your new telling of the story. Right? When I was in college, every guy I met in college was supposed to be a Division I athlete. I'm like, that's weird. You're at NAI, NAI Division II Bible College with me. <laughs> well, let's go play basketball together, Right? Every, I'm, I'm going to be a Division I athlete. I'm going to be this. So what do we do? We transfer our, 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 our life, what we live, what we thought was going to, onto our kids. You need to be the best player on every team. You're not, you're not playing good enough. You need to be the best. We, we look at you. You need to be better than that kid. You need to get a scholarship. You need to do this. Those are too high expectations, too low expectations. I'm just happy that you go out there and you're on the team. Just want you to have a good time. Let, Stop putting your kids in sports. Put them in something where they can play by themselves, right? I just want you to go out and just, just you know, just be there. Like, just twirl around and pick grass. And Like, I, I, I've been coaching kids sports for a long time. I'm sick of having those kids on my team. I'm going to be honest with you. I love them. They're con But I'm like, why are you here? You're screwing around. Your parents can't hear me right now. If you don't stop, I promise you, you're never going to get up off that bench again. They can't fire me because I don't get paid and they can't get anybody to do this because nobody likes kids anymore. Am I preaching right? They're not going to get rid of me. Just, 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 just be there. Here's just right. I want you to go out there and I want you to go ape wild. I want you to give your best effort. 
I want you to run so hard that you actually deserve a snack at halftime. I, 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 I want you to try your, your best. I want you to be the best that you can be. I, I want you to give your best effort. Is that not right? I want you to work hard. So some of you are like, I don't play sports. I don't like that. You're freaking me out, Pastor. Let's talk about school then. And so school, <laughs> right? Some of you, not, you don't play sports. It's fine. We, we, we're all different. And so some of you, you have kids in school. They do art class. They do whatever. And you're like, you better be the best. You have a fifth grader. You're APing them already, right? Like you're AP history. Are you getting a good, you showing them episodes of Doogie Howser, stuff like that. He's smart enough to do it. Some of you don't even know who Doogie Howser is. Doogie Howser was on How I Met Your Mother. Some of you don't know what that is. Look him up on TikTok. And so, like, I don't know what to tell you. I think he did the Oscars. And you're like pressuring your kid. You better get good grades. You got to be the smartest in your class. You're even looking. Well, what, what place are you in in your class? You're 13th out of 400 kids. 13th place, not good enough, son. And the daughter, you're never going to get into Harvard. You're never going to accomplish anything good with your life. And kids, are, they're cowering to pressure right now. Do you know that? High school kids carry around immense amount of anxiety thinking if I don't get into the right school at the right time with the right GPA, that I won't be successful. But I'm surrounded by people that never went to school that make a lot more money than people that went to school. Like, I, I, just, I just meet people all the time. Like, Where'd you go to school? They're like, Boyertown Elementary. <laughs> How long have you been working? Seven, right? That's why you got this mansion up on this hill. Yeah, I did well for myself, <gasps> right? <laughs> Too high, too low, too low. Just go to school. Just, just glad you're there, son. Just right. What's just right? Man, work hard. Study when you get home. Put a little effort in this. Spelled E-F-F-O-R-T. A little effort. Give your best. I'm just telling you, it's okay to expect your kids. You can't control a lot. Your kids can't control how tall they are, how good looking they are, how athletic they are, how smart they are. What they can't control is their effort. And what I found is people who give effort consistently over time always end up successful. You're going to give your, your best effort in whatever you do. Something like, is that biblical? Well, here, here's, what the, here's what the Bible says in, in, in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ Jesus you are serving. In other words, some of you want to pass on something to your kids, pass on effort. Here's the problem. You can't pass on what you're not. You can't, you can't pass on what you're not. If you're not getting up early, going to work, putting in the time, not complaining about your boss, working for the Lord as if you're or working for him as if you're working for the Lord and not for that person in your life. If you're constantly complaining about work, constantly whining about how hard it is, constantly complaining about how expensive stuff is, constantly giving half-butted. Can I say that in second service? Because I'll certainly say that in third. At work in your life, your kids are not going to give effort. Can't give what you're not. Number two is this, second one, uh, it's right to expect them to learn to earn. It is right to expect your kids from a very young age to learn to earn. Now, what I'm not saying is you have kids or two years old, you're like, I can't buy that for you, son. Work Target, it's $13.99. I got a list of chores for you. Don't celebrate birthdays, don't celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate nothing. You make them earn everything they ever, they ever get. It's good to bless from time to time, right? It's fun to buy kids things. It's fun to go to Wawa and waste money on drinks. And it's fun sometimes to go to McDonald's and let them get, like, it, it's fun to bless your kids. But listen to me, your kids are not going to be successful someday because of all the blessings you gave them. They're going to be successful because of something you pass down to them. And, and, and in my opinion, 
we are doing an awful job in the generation that we're raising with teaching kids not, not about instant happiness and gratification, but the value of working, saving, investing, tithing, all those things. We're not teaching them how, how to handle money. And I get it. It's hard. It's absolutely overwhelming because they think money grows on what? On trees. They'll say stuff like, everybody has that, dad. I'm like, I don't. I've never had a $180 pair of shoes in my life. I wouldn't because I'll ruin them and my feet stink. So what's the point, right? <laughs> Everybody gets that. Or I love they'll say, nobody works, dad. You ever have that? Nobody works. Everybody just gives them. I got a kid that's 15. He's getting ready to drive in a year here. And <laughs> trying to teach him to save money. And you save. And I'll, I'll help you get a car. I'll match what you do. But you got to save money. And right now you got $35 in the bank. And so it's looking good for me and not you. And you're going to get your license. But you know, in, in order for you to save money, you got to stop spending money on extra snacks at lunch. Because you're hungry. And you can't go to the vending machine and just get a $3 soda every time you want it. Because every time you spend it, you, 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 you're, you're, you're getting rid of the money. You have to learn how to work. You got to learn. None of my friends work. I don't care about your friends. In the most Jesus way possible that I can say that. I mean, I care about their soul. <laughs> it's okay to teach them to learn to earn. So how, 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 do you, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, hard work brings a profit. Hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Hard work brings a profit. Every kid you meet today, what's the number one thing kids want to be? You know what the number one thing kids want to be? They want to be an influencer. Influencer. I'm not saying it's not hard work, but most of you are not going to be influencers. I don't want to burst your bubble. Right? But what can you do? You can control your work ethic. You can put hard work into whatever you're doing. So from a young age, teach your kids. You have little kids. Begin to teach them to save up money. I remember years ago, my kids were still in little kid sizes. They wanted shoes for school. And I said, hey, this summer... You're going to save, you're going, you're going to earn your shoes. Whatever, however much you work, I'm going to give you the option to make. I, I remember this. I worked this great deal out. They were still little enough to believe $2 was a lot of money. And I said, every day you can earn $2. I'm going to give you a list of chores. We're going to document it. You have this many days in the, in the, in the summer. And whatever you get at the end of the summer, that's the shoes you're going to get. Not, not a dollar more. You have a chance to earn $2 a day. One of them worked all summer, earned a lot of money. One of them was going to pay less, if you know what I'm saying. But, but you see, it's, it's okay to begin to teach them. Te teach them from a young age when they, when they get money. When you get $10, $10, you get $100. What's the first thing you should do with your finances? That's right, you tithe. You take your first, your first and you bring it back to God. You don't have, because they'll be like, we have to? I'm like, no, you get to. The church needs my money? No, we don't need your dollar, son. God wants your heart, and there's something that changes in your life when you learn about, about money from a young age, when they're teenagers. It, it, is, it is crazy right now. It is like you're a unicorn if you're a teenager and you work. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to drop you off at a job, and you get to work five, six, seven, God forbid, an eight-hour shift. <laughs> you get to put time in. I, I, some, sometimes they're not going to be able to do everything everybody else is doing. But if you want what everybody's getting, do what everybody's doing. If you want something different, do things different. Let me just speak to the college kids. Some of you in college, like, I can't work. I'm so busy. I've had 12 hours. My parents, I remember, my, I had people, friends, but you don't have to work. No, my parents take care of said care packages every couple weeks. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, my parents suck. They're making me work everywhere. I got to go to Applebee's, right, and all this stuff. And man, I can't tell you 
how grateful I am that from a young age, 18, 19, 20 years old, my parents taught me college is not that hard. You're gonna, this is going to be the easiest your life is ever going to be, and you can work and go to school at the same time. You can pay for bills. You can pay off your car. I remember in college, my, my, Vol- my Volkswagen Jetta, the air stopped working. I lived in, I lived in Texas at that point. It's 250 degrees in October. <laughs> I used to drive down I-35 to get to work, and every day it was in traffic. I would roll my windows down and pray. My mom and dad knew about it, right? They said, save up the money. I said, I can't. I'm going on dates with Leah, and I'm buying things. Can you send me the money? They said, listen, if you want your air fish, you got to stop going on dates. So I just kept going on dates and died, right? <laughs> T- teaching the value of, of money. Let me just give you a few, few, more, few more thoughts. Number, number three, it's right, here's, a, here's an important one. It's right to inspect them to enrich the team. And here, here's what I mean by that. Whatever your family makeup is, if you're a single mom, you have kids. If you're a, pa- a mother and father, you have kids. If you're a father, has kids. Whatever that looks like, right? Whatever that looks like, from a young age, you teach them, we are a team. This is straight from my wife, because I'm not good at this. I'd rather do things myself, because they're a pain in the butt when they do them. But from a young age, if you're not careful, you're going to teach your kids, we're raising kings and queens, right? Kings and queens. This world revolves around you. And let me just ask you something. That might be a great message to send to your five-year-old, but that's a message that will kick them in the teeth when they're 18, because nobody cares about them when they turn 18. The world does not stop and go, oh, you're a powder puff. Here, let me be soft. It's not how it works. And so from a young age, you teach them, we, we're a team. We clean up together. We, we put things back together. We clean the dishes together. We, 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 we do yard work together. We are all a part of a team. It's okay to expect them. And let me tell you something, even from a very young age, we're doing this with your kids over in Journey Kids, by the way. We used to play the cleanup song. I'm not sure if it still goes on there or not. It used to be this rap Elliot and Ian wrote together. It's pretty cool. And so uh, we'll give it to you. For, you can do it at home. And we turn it on, and the kids know at the end of class it's cleanup time. Yeah, that's right. We all clean up. We don't put up a fight. It's cleanup time. Blessed not a bird. All, all this stuff. We're trying to teach your kids, but here's the problem. We're having a hard time teaching your kids in an hour what you're screwing up all week. When we say it's not babysitting... It's world-changing. That's because if it was babysitting, it would cost money. It's free. I don't know if you noticed that or not. And there's people back there who are giving up their time to invest in your kids, uh, but they're not investing in your kids without your needed participation in it. Because we, I told the first service, that what was happening back there, that's the future of our church. That's the best part of our church back there if we get this right right now. They're going to do things in our church. We're going to be old. A couple years, we're going to be back. Probably back in the, because it's quiet up there, right? And back there, and the music's going to be pumping, and we're going to be, why are you doing church? That's not how we done church. And they're going to say, Dad and Mom, you're old now. And we're going to sit back, and we're going to watch our kids participate in a church that literally changes the course of history if we would simply be willing to step out the way. But we got to participate right now. We got to teach them this world is not about you. We got to develop in them godly expectations and responsibilities from this moment in their life. It's okay to expect them to enrich the team. Let me just give you two more thoughts. It's right to expect them to esteem others. It's right to expect them to honor others. In that article, it said there was a time in history where kids were raised with an understanding they're responsible for their communities, their towns, and their churches. And now we've taught kids you're responsible to get a, a Division I scholarship to the university of your choice. You're bigger than the team. 
right? You, you, I, I couldn't believe that. When I was a kid, it was like high school sports is everything. Now it's like I'm, I'm just trying to get a full ride to a prep school so I can get a full ride. Like, I don't care about this team. This is stepping stone. I'm like, I don't want to play with you. I'd rather get a bunch of kids that are committed to the team than a bunch of talented knuckleheads. You know what I'm saying? And there was a time in, in culture where everything was, was, about, was about team, community, team, community, team. And we looked at people, we valued people, and we, we taught that to our, to our kids. We value uh, the, the opinions of older people. Older people have wisdom. Older people can share and teach us, and we can learn from them. And now we're like, where's, where's your nursing home, old man? And kids walk around now, their eyes are fixed to themselves, they're in phones. You go into a restaurant, they don't even pay attention to the person waiting on them anymore. Am I preaching right? You can say hi to a kid, they don't even look at you. And I just thought to myself, man, I want to I ex- have this expectation of my kids that they have this honoring attitude when it comes to people, specifically older people. In fact, uh, I was reminded of where I'm failing at because uh, Lincoln went to, he's been going, you know, it's set, he's in seventh grade, so they've gone from like just hanging out with boys to now it's like, Boys and girls are starting to hang out, and he's going to people's houses of the opposite sex, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and make sure you give me the phone number, and, you know, get coaching them up, and, you know, I'm like asking him, what are you guys going to do? And he's like, oh, we're going to play basketball on Fortnite. I'm like, yeah, parties have changed, man, so that's good. <laughs> and, uh, like, talking about him, and then, then I said, hey, you're going to this person's house, and when you walk in, you're going to see her dad, and you've never met him before, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, hello, sir. He was like, and then I want you to shake his hand. And when you shake his hand, I want you, not the limp-wristed, you know, I want you to shake his hand, right? And he came home, I'm like, did you do it? And he was like, well, I, I, I said, hello, sir, but I didn't shake his hand. And I'm like, why? He's like, I never did it before, right? It was like a, a foreign thing. And I was like, here, well, shake my hand. He was like, no, that's weird. I was like, shake my hand, let me show you. And so he never did it, but I realized... I'm going to have to teach him this. Like someday he's going to walk into, into the girl's house that he is madly in love with. And this, this dad's going to be there. Uh, and he's going to have all sorts of memories of raising this girl from a, from a baby and all sorts of guns somewhere. <laughs> and I want him to walk in and I want him to establish an attitude of honor when he looks at that father. That father can trust him. That father knows that he's going to steward and take care of the daughter that he raised, that he's going to respect and honor her by showing him the respect and honor. I mean, it isn't ridiculous that, that, that boys can walk up or drive up to a door and go, honk, honk. And that's even if they have a car, because a lot of times that's, it's reversed. The girl walks up, a honk, honk, right? I see it all the time. I'm like, you're out to date and you, you're, you're pulling. What's, get your wallet out, boy, right? Like pay, and so shake Shake hands. How you doing, sir? And I just thought, man, there's so much that we probably, we're probably lacking in, like uh, making eye contact when you meet somebody, saying thank you to a waitress or waiter that waits on you. I, I, I'm remind, my kids can be in their screen. I, I specifically think about Red Robin. They get on those screens. They turn into little addicts. You know what I'm talking about? And they're disengaged, and, and a waitress puts something in front of them, and they say nothing. And I say, boys, what do you say? Thank, thank you. No. Look up, esteem, right? Because I'm the parent. It's not, they're not the problem. I, 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 want, I, want to, I say all the time, man, my kids, what's wrong with them? My wife reminds me, here's the mirror. You're what's wrong with them. It's not the kids. We're not preaching about the kids today. We're preaching about the parents, parenting parents. Let me just give you one more, one more thought. And this one's really important for every person in this room. It's right to expect them to be in the process of evolving. In other words, 
They are a work in progress, and they're not going to get it right every time. Here's, you are a work in progress, and you're not going to get it right every time. You ever go home for a message like this, and you're like, that's where we're making changes. You bust out, you get on Pinterest, you find a chore list, you know what I'm talking about? Come up with a whole new agenda. You haven't asked your kids to tie their shoes. They're 16 years old, and all of a sudden, they're responsible to pay the bills and balance the checkbook and milk the cows, right? And you go home, and it's not successful at all. Your kids are like, I'm not doing anything, right? So you just got to start small. Here's the first thing we're going to do. I have a seven, eight-year-old in my house. Here's what we're going to start doing. I want to teach you expectations and responsibilities. So you are going to help me make your lunch every day. You're going to help me. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do it. And, and just so you know, when you let a kid help, it is always more work. For, for type A people, I'm, I'm doing peanut butter and jelly. I can't stand when peanut butter is everywhere and jelly's down everywhere. And so I'm like, just get out the way. But when I take away expectations, what I'm telling my youngest son, Harrison, is I expect very little from you. So instead, I'm going to step back and I'm going to let him struggle with the peanut butter and cry and act like I'm, you know, asking him to walk on water by making his sandwich. And you can have those expectations. You have a little kid. I guarantee you go home today, you have a two, three, four-year-old, and you say, hey, at the end of the night, we're going to pick up toys together. And you put on that Journey Kids cleanup song, right? And I guarantee something, something rises in them. And so I'm not, listen, it's not going to happen overnight, but I'm just telling you, you're going to go home and here's two words you're going to do. One, you're going to be consistent. You're just going to start being consistent in your expectations. Here's what we do as a family. We clean up our dishes when we're done. We do it together as a family. We put away our room. We do our own wash, right? Your kid's 17 years old. They know how to do their, do their wash, right? Like nothing sadder than a college-age kid getting to college not knowing how to fold his own underwear. Tracking with me? Why are your underwear pink, bro? Nobody ever told me. You just begin to develop expectations, right? And then, listen, not only are you going to stay consistent, the second thing you're going to do is you're going to parent with some courage. Because I can tell you, you start parenting with expectations. It's different than the world you live in. So you're going to have your kids say, I don't know why you're doing this. I can't believe you. Do. I can't believe you want me to do this. I can't believe you expect this of me. I can't believe you want me to have this. Like, and you're just, I'm going, to purge, I'm, going to, I'm going to parent with courage and I'm going to parent with consistency. I believe in what God wants to do in your life. That's what you're parenting from. You're not parenting to put pressure on your kids. You're parenting for potential, amen? And let me just, whatever you believe about your kids, it's not good enough. Because there's a God that wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. So whatever purpose and plan you have, and you can think of, and you can imagine, it's not good enough because they have the opportunity to serve a God that wants to do even more. E immeasurably more. That means you can't even contain it. So what's your job? I'm going to get them to God's house. I'm going to let them experience his love that will never leave them nor forsake them. And then I'm going to point them in the direction of high expectations in their life and responsibility because I know what God wants to do in and through their life. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Here's what I want. Some of you, uh, when you talk about kids, it's such a touchy subject because we put so much of our self-worth in it, right? We, we live vicariously through them. And I just want to remind you again, they're not your kids. If they're good at sports and they, they're talented at school and they're successful in, in the world and they, they work, it's, 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 it's not established with you first. It's not you. So stop. We parent from, from insecurity because we don't know if we're good enough. And then we parent through arrogance. Look what I've done. Look how good they are. Look how much they've accomplished. So here's what I'll, I just want you to stop both of those. And I just want you to understand those kids are God's kids.
They're not your kids. You don't carry the weight of their success. He put them on this earth, so he wants to do something incredible with their life. What I found is oftentimes I got to get out the way. I got to let God be God in their life. So I want you to bow your to close your eyes. And same, same as last week. Some of you, I said something today and it, you know, it a little bit irritated you. And you're like, you don't know my kid. You don't know my situation. You don't know this. You don't know that. And you're right, I don't. And there's all different situations and all different kids. And, and I get all that. And our goal is never to, to offend. We are going to have a little bit of sarcasm and laughter because I found that that's, that's just the way Journey Church is. But ultimately, we want to lead to, to simplicity and truth. And simplicity and truth is established with Jesus when he said, I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to live my life with high expectations and a deep sense of heavenly responsibility in my life. And I'm just telling you, every human needs that. The opposite is you're an accident, you're worthless, you're one of a billion, you're unimportant. You can't lie to your kids enough to teach them that they are important because you're biased. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. The older they get, they realize, my mom and dad had to tell me I'm the best. Identity is established with God. Security is established through Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I want you first, I want you to think about your your kids. I I want you to begin think about them and I want you to begin to envision where they're going to be in, in many years. Where, where do you, what, how do you want them to turn out? And then I want you to think about the things I've talked about and I want you in a very practical, applicable way say, okay God, here, here's, give me a plan. Here's where, where I want to act, you know, act this out. Here's where I want to step out in faith. And then I want you to pray, God, give me a spirit of consistency because too many parents, myself included, we quit. It's a lot of work. How many times can I tell you to pick up that pillow after you leave? How many times can I show you how to roll the blanket up and put it away when you're done? How many times can I tell you to put your cup in the dishwasher? How many times am I going to tell you this? And here's the the answer. Probably a million. Because your kids are a work in progress. So here's what I found. The most successful parenting is established in consistency. Not perfection. So I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to have consistent conversations. I'm going to lead my kids directionally, consistently. And then, then I'm going to live my life with some courage. You need some courage, parents. It takes, it takes courage to raise godly kids in a broken world. Courage. That's an aspect from only the Holy Spirit. And he will give you a courage that is not from you, that is established in the heavenly realm. And maybe as we're, we're praying and we're, we're thinking about that and we're going to act on that and uh, may, maybe as I talk about expectations and responsibilities and potential, that as I speak, just besides kids, that, that you relate to that. Like when I talk about expectation, you think to yourself, man, I, yeah, I've struggled with that my whole life. Nobody's ever expected anything of me. I, I'm not a very responsible person because I've just lived to what I've been taught where I've been led. I don't have a lot of security and value in my life because from the very early age, because of a lack of expectations, the message I heard is you're unimportant. And if I'm honest, I struggle with that. I I, I fake it. I overcompensate. I try to prove how good I am. But if you 
strip away the outside facade of who I am inside. There's a little boy or little girl that's wondering, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Can I impact this world? And I just want you to know that there's a God that loves you. He made you. He molded you. He sent you to this earth to accomplish something significant for his kingdom and his glory. And the best day of your life is the moment that you realize that. It's the moment that you stop allowing what other people said and did to you to be the biggest message that you live with in your life. But what you begin to establish, here's what Jesus did for me. Here's what Jesus says about me. Here's what Jesus believes that I can do. Here's why Jesus sent me to this earth. When that message becomes biggest in your life, everything else changes. I love Ephesians 3. Something my dad taught me many years, many times, over and over and over again. Something I heard him say. Something I prayed for in this church. Something I believed for with my kids. Something I proclaim over myself. That because I understand the depth, the height, the width, the length of the love of God. And I'm walking in the fullness of his power. That I serve a God. I stand on this promise. Who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine in my life. That same God's here. That God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. I know how much he loves you because he he stopped at nothing to get to you. The Bible says that he died on a cross. His son died on a cross for your sins. And the Bible says that he was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose in power. And it's through him that we have our sins forgiven and we become a brand new person. There's a new message that's established in our life. There's a new truth greater than any lie. That God loves you. He's here right now. What do you do when you're in a moment like this? All you can do is respond. All you can do is say yes. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, that'll save you. That'll change you. That'll heal you. That'll set you free. So maybe you can relate. I've wondered if I'm important, significant. I have a purpose. I have value. I've struggled with that my entire life. But I believe that's a lie. And today I want to grab a hold of the truth of God through his son, Jesus Christ. I want him to come into my life. I want him to heal me, forgive me, and make me whole. I want to pray with you as we close. Nobody looking around front to back, side to side. I don't want you to worry about the person standing next to you, standing behind you, standing in front of you. I want you to think about you. I want you to picture the the creator of the heavens and the, the earth standing right in front of you with his hands drawn to you saying, hey, come home. I want a relationship with you. And as I ask you all those things, you say, hey, you've been speaking to me. I don't even know how you know me, but it feels like you're speaking to me. That's the presence of the living God. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's reached his hands out. Would you let him in? Would you let him in? So if I'm talking to you right now, side to side, front to back, at Montgomeryville, watching online, you say, hey, Pastor Steve, I don't know Jesus, but I need to. Today is going to be my day of salvation. Today I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need truth. If that's you all over our houses with faith and courage, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, Pastor, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. I see hand here, hand here. Is there anybody else? Hand all the way up in the top. That's why we built those seats. Hand here, hand here. Anybody else, would you just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed? I know you want to look around. 
Well, would you just, one more, one more time, if that's you, with nobody looking around, you say, man, I missed that first one. I didn't think anybody was going to respond, but I know I need to respond to. I know I need to respond to, and I didn't, but I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Is there anybody else who's here? You would say, hey, that's me. I need, I need Jesus. I, I need to put my faith in him. I want to pray with you as we close. There's another hand way up there. Is there anybody else? We're going to clap with somebody in Montgomeryville. Let's keep clapping, church. The Bible says that we, with, our, with our heart, we believe, and with our, with our mouth, we confess. With our heart, we believe, and with our mouth, we confess. That's what we're going to do all over this place. Would you repeat after me at all of our campuses? Say, Jesus, thank you for this day. Jesus, today, I want a relationship with you. I've tried to live on my own. I've tried to find purpose. I've tried to be whole. But nothing's worked. And so Jesus, today, I put my hope and my trust in you. I believe in you. I know you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe on the third day that you rose in power. And it's because of this message that everything about me is changing. Now all over this place, let's just pray together. Let's pray specifically for us as parents, if you're a parent, specifically, that you right now would step in to the person that God has created you to be. It's no joke. Parenting is no joke. The weight of it is immense. The responsibility sometimes seems overwhelming. But we got to remember as we're here that the kids that we have are God's kids. And he's given us everything we need to parent them in the direction of him. And let's just thank God that God has immeasurably more. That means we can't even comprehend it. Immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine to do through those kids' lives. So Lord, we trust you with them. Lord, we place them into your hands. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we're going to walk with you every day. On the, in the moments that we try to do it on our own, would you humble us and bring us back to you? In the moments where we succeed, God, will we turn that praise back to you? In the moments we fail, God, will we go back to you? God, we need you and only you. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you right now. Lord, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you that we leave this place as we do always in a spirit of encouragement. Lord, that we, you're calling us to courage and consistency as a, as a people group, Lord. We're thankful, Father, for the church that you're raising up back there in Journey Kids. That we can't even imagine what you're going to do through their lives. And we're grateful for that opportunity. But, Lord, that work begins now. That work begins now in our lives. And so, Lord, would you do it? Would you work through us? Would you change us? Would you give us everything that we need? In Jesus' name that we pray. Hey, one more time all over our houses. Let's shout amen together. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.